feeling this. Gotta holler if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Peace, everyone. Peace, peace, peace. Sorry about that blink. That was weird. Um, I need to start getting like a crash sound bite or something, like how Charlemagne the God does or something, because I don't like the blankness in between. But welcome to season five. Um, and uh, and if you're watching this right now, about the, by the time this comes out, you have already seen the first in-person view, uh, in, uh, in-person interview by myself with tony grams who is a staple of a local artist here in the new haven area um i'm very very fortunate for the arts council to be fiscally sponsoring me in those projects and there's so much more to come so i hope people really really enjoy that episode um and now we're going to change the tune here for this episode because you know we cover music politics and culture and we're going to go more into the political and culture realm with a very great activist here that's uh, for right now and based in the New England area um, who has been phenomenally out in the streets doing all the good work that needs to be done when people talk about, well, how are you going to make change? Well, I have somebody on that does that. <laughs> so without further ado, um, the key to everyone. <laughs> Damn. You gave me a lot of credit, Jamar. Damn. Yeah, I think I said your name too long. It's Nika, Nika, not Nikita. <laughs> okay. Thank you for Nika. not correcting. <laughs> I think it cut out, so I didn't even hear you. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't no, know if it's a good thing or bad thing. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I, we've been we've been talking about this, and I think this is a great opportunity to have you on because, you know, it always happens over time. People say, "Oh, we talked about it and we missed it for a while." Um, no, things happen for a reason, and this is a great time um, because wow. you know, it's 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 we're getting down to the conversations about you know middle eastern identity and how people are always assuming um here in the west um how middle eastern people are and palestine is also in the news all over again and in, in, in a negative light while it's also seen in a positive light in the grassroots 24 7 and i know that you have always been um a, a supporter um of, of that were you also a part of the the palestinian um group in, in at Yale University as well too? 
Yes. 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 That's where I met you. Yes. <laughs> I think so. What? That was the well, first no, time rally in 2018. Oh, yeah? yeah. Wow. 2018. Seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yeah. No, what? it does yesterday also. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you get started, you know, in that in that work? If you like to give like a background on on um what got yeah. you so yeah, I I realize that I haven't been telling folks very honestly. You know, a lot of people know that I'm Iranian and then they're like, oh, so you'd like you just know radical politics because you're from Iran and Iran is always in the news, so you might as mm -hmm. well and yeah, there's some truth to that, you know. I anybody that grows up with a history family history of of bombing of war of revolution knows a lot but i just want to be very clear that i did not know everything or know or was even like myself as a person for the struggle of myself my people my family was not i was not even aware really of what palestine is and what it represents and and the struggle for it. Um, I think even when I was about like 12 or 13, I, I wasn't, I, I knew my grandmother would say something like, you know, I cried for my mother. I don't cry. I cry for my mother, cry for Iran, and I cry for Palestine. And that's about all I knew, you know? Mm. And then it wasn't until, honestly, later on having Arab friends um, and encounters with racism that's a side i think that i grew up with for sure you know right but it wasn't until i learned about you know british history and the levantine area and and in palestine that i started to realize and started and and meeting other folks in i grew up in an area that was like like a lot of Iranians and then the predominant Arab community was like 30 minutes away, you know? Mm. And so we were very proximal, but I have to be honest, like there were not a lot of Palestinians at my school. There weren't even a lot of Arab kids at my school. There were a lot more Iranians, right? And um, so it wasn't until I got to the East Coast and I went to school at Yale that I started to meet a lot of, a lot of Arab students, but also encountered a lot of Arab folks in the community, right? And, um, and it wasn't long before I just had a lot of Palestinian friends and started to learn about the history and also understand just from their perspective what, it, what it's like to live in a country or be from a place that you can't return to a lot of times that you, that your like parents are like forever punished for. I met people in Jordan who literally couldn't work for the government because their parents had like fought in, you know, liberation groups. Um, it wasn't until I started to encounter, have all these experiences that I think I realized exactly what was going on. And it wasn't until yeah, the Great March of Return in 2018. It, it, and I didn't, I don't think I even understood exactly the significance of the Great March of Return or, you know, what was going on. Um, but I remember just being at Yale and knowing that there was no group for Palestine. None of the Muslim Student Association relate adjacent groups wanted to talk about Palestine. My Palestinian friends yeah. always felt like they couldn't 
really be honest about their position on it because they would be singled out, right? Um, and I was like, I don't really care that there isn't a group. I just want to have a vigil. And I didn't want to have a vigil because I was so angry. Mm. I wanted, uh, I called it a speak out, which I've never called anything that again. But it really was basically us yelling in front of the library and, you know, where most of the protests are held, that this was genocide and it was awful. And that was in 2018, right? Mm. So, yeah, that was, I think after that event and all the connections that I started to make just from that event, like I met you, I met so many people in the New Haven community that I would definitely not have met otherwise. And it was Palestine that brought us together, right? Yeah. It's Palestine that brought me together with so many like international solidarity movement folks. Um, started to bring me together with people that had just broad interests in like just liberation movements. And that is what and what made me really think that we always need a group that is talking about Palestine. We always and I really mean that like in a very quickly I realized that if you're doing that kind of organizing, you cannot just limit it to the sphere of wherever you are, whether right. that be a university, whether that be like just a city, right? You kind of have to build connections outside. It has to be rooted in the long-term struggle, right? So that's how I got started to answer your question. I could go on more about it, but I got started in a, in a university context, but from that first event that I planned, which how, the group had not even formed yet, right? The group were just the organizers of that one event. I learned that we can't just, I can't, you know, for my sake and for the sake of the movement, I can't just put all of my energy into university Palestine organizing. And that's where I kind of got connected more broadly and where I continue now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I, I liked how you mentioned that, like the Palestinian connection is what helped um, meet, helped you meet so many great people and stuff like that. That's really, really, that's really, really dope because that's how I felt about with um, the Bernie Sanders uh, campaign and turning into, oh, wow, uh, no, no, no wall, no ban, no wall rally. Yeah. Um, that's when I met uh, a lot of great activists here in New Haven. I think that was like 2016 or something like that. And mm -hmm. it literally changed, you know, I like, I, I definitely feel you on that because it's like, what else would I have been done doing if I didn't go to that rally? <laughs> what else? Well, who would I have met? I mean, literally that rally has changed my whole interactions in life and stuff. And, you know, and, and I think that's, that's really good. And it really helps. I, that's why I always say that everything happens for a reason, you know, you find <laughs> who you are when you, you, you find what you stand for. And I, and I also like how you mentioned about um that you didn't really know that much about Palestine, even during the, uh, the right to return. I didn't either. I knew that they were occupied, but I didn't fully understood the 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 full extent on how bad the occupation is yeah um because here in america we like to make jokes about how 
you know, oh, those Palestinians and Israelis are fighting again, like as if it's just like a never ending. Yeah, never ending, even even opposing forces beef, as if everyone is equally powerful, and they just been going at each other twenty four seven, like comparison to like the Pakistani army versus India India's army. Like, yes, they have air support, they got rockets, all that stuff. But then you start to understand that Palestinians don't have that type of equal um, force towards Israelis. They 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 are occupied. They don't have an army. Um, Hamas. They haven't have had election in Gaza since two thousand six. Um, the PLO is in the West Bank. They they're separated by design because Israel never wanted them to have their own type of like organization that that brings together all palestinians that's the last thing they need they need them to be fighting amongst each other of course so they did that and it happened they actually did fight amongst each other you start seeing mm-hmm. the children being killed unarmed 24 7 children being imprisoned 24 7 uh removal of homes people getting kicked out of their damn homes when they have leases from the date back to the ottoman fucking empire like that's what that's what opened my eyes when i started looking at the March of Return and seeing how important the March of Return was. And then I'm just like, this is not complicated. This should be exposed to the world way harder than it is now. Like, you got to be so crazy if you think that this is complicated. (laughs) For real. Yeah, and I mean, so how have um how have we shown up here in connecticut i mean i have seen you guys out there um unfortunately i tried to go um but i couldn't find coverage because of my job and shouts out to my job for not letting me find coverage i asked every freaking person in the goddamn world but how was how how was that action you guys did a few actions uh which ones have have you made it to because i I saw a few of them and i'm just thinking about the uh the cult manufacturing one, which I'm going to get yeah. into. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I just want to say that the Connecticut Palestine organizing scene has really taken off. I think there, <laughs> I'm just, all of it's flashing before my eyes. Um, so two years ago during 2021, when, uh, Sheikh Jarrah was fighting for itself and all of Palestine rose up in support of it. <clears throat> a lot of groups in Connecticut came together and organized a protest of about 500 people that came mm-hmm. from all around the state. And it was kind of incredible. Like we were kind of, we were chanting and also it was in the middle of Yale graduation. We were totally disrupting Yale graduation. These cars. God, I wish I was there. Furious at us. I mean, <laughs> like furious. And someone, someone even was like, there's an emergency. There was no emergency. But anyway, we got, <laughs> I was a, I was brand new at organizing a rally that big. Um, and I was one of the MCs. And, um, we, after that, 
event, which felt like so much power built statewide, because it really wasn't just New Haven folks. It was like New Haven folks, Hartford folks, Manchester folks. I mean, I asked the guy who owns like a smoke shop down the street if he wants to bring, you know, his people. And he brought people that I don't think I would have seen at a protest otherwise. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And so because all of that happened and then we worked with the mosques, you know, and we worked with a lot of different Muslim communities um, outside of New Haven and more in North Connecticut. And it was because of all of that that we called together a BDS coalition in Connecticut. Nice. And at our first meeting, and let me tell you, Jamar, it was rough. It was hard. It was the first time we were all in community with each other. It was mm -hmm. like the first time we were even seeing, a lot of us knew each other. That's not true. It's not like we didn't all somewhat know but there were, you didn't know at least half the people in the group, right? Like there were people from Yukon SJP there. There were people from AMP, American Muslims in Palestine. Wow. For Palestine. There were just so many different people there. And I think people where JVP was there. I mean, I could just go on. Um, Palestine Museum, uh, Tree of Life. Everybody was there and it was kind of awkward. We didn't know how to run it. Um, but it was this really important meeting um, and I and I have to say, like, we all ended up doing our own things after that. We didn't really work together in coalition, but it was like the first formal meeting of all of these folks. And I feel like that that groundwork, even though it didn't necessarily we didn't become like a full functioning coalition after that. Still, people were so inspired by just keeping tabs on each other and knowing each other and knowing that we could build that power if we needed it, that now two years down the line. I went to a coalition meeting, Jamar, and there were like 50 people, 60 people packed in that row. And and there was like a whole, there was a whole function and order and like structure and there was a steering committee, but then people just were running the meeting so smoothly. Mm. And that, that, is what drew out 2,500 people to New Haven to protest for this because, and is, and is what is behind the fact that we've been able to organize so many different actions and actually pull out numbers. It's because yeah. we ha we've had that groundwork and now everybody statewide that cares about Palestine and works on adjacent issues knows each other. And we're only building that, but it just reminds me that like without that groundwork, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been able to show out with so much power to each other's actions. It's not that we wouldn't have organized those actions. You know, those actions are happening everywhere and people that care will organize actions even if 20 people come out. That is an action. That is a really important action, right? Mm. Because those people are reckoning with the fact that they should take up space publicly and they should be out here and they should take out time and they should disrupt. And so I just am, I'm so, I myself, I'm like thick in it right now. I'm, I'm not even one of the core leaders of this coalition. This is like out of my hands at this point. I'm just like in awe of what they've been able to accomplish in just two years time without even like working really, you know, uh, in a very connected way, even a year before this, right? Like this is spontaneous, but everybody is pulling so much weight right now. Everybody is showing up so much. I mean, people are just, for for the first time, a lot of these core organizers are not alone. And mm. that is 
making a fundamental difference in us being able to pull people out, engage more and do action, multiple actions in a week. I mean, before we couldn't even fathom that, you know, right. Right. and now it's like, it's the norm. It's, it's exactly what we need and we're fully ready for it. And we're just, we're just doing it. And I want to give a shout out to the New Haven independent that literally tried to say that it was less people than 2,500. Yeah. Um, shame did on they, you. Did they even write an article about it? I saw something. Um, this was like a few weeks ago, though. But um, Norm also mentioned it as well, too. Um, Norm Clement, who is an activist for people that are listening that are not from, not from Connecticut. He's another great prominent act- activist that uh, made the comment about how the New Haven Independent has put a smaller number. I think they put 250 instead of uh, 2,500. Hey. Yeah. Well, it's owned by this guy who's pro-Israel. So I, yeah. I don't know if he's Jewish or not, or uh, but it doesn't matter because a lot of Jewish people are against the Israeli government. So Literally. there's so it doesn't matter in that fact, but he's definitely a Zionist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I I I saw that and I was just so shocked because they also try to say that with um the mass protests that happened in dc where it was like three hundred thousand people and they try to say oh it was only like thirty thousand <laughs> really insanity yeah they just they're getting to the point where they're just blatantly lying now it's like something that is just so incredible to me i mean it is one thing to be complicit in a genocide when you aren't really writing about how lethal it is and how disgusting it's it's gotten. Right. And it's another thing to actually not be able to report numbers of people in the street. Like, I'm sorry, that's just a really basic thing. And if you yeah. can't even get close to the number of people it was and you're just blatantly underreporting it, then I don't care what you believe. You got to call people out on that because that's just... Right. Even by their own objectivity standards, like, <laughs> they just... They can't even play by their own rules at this point. And, and and yeah, that that's definitely how I felt. And I was also thinking about so how what do you think about the people that still think that you journalists have integrity? Like, yeah, like we we just caught you in a lie, especially the people that probably still believe in CNN and all that nonsense. And they went to the rally and then they come back home and then they see CNN's lying about the numbers. They're just like, wait, why are y'all doing this? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. Like there has to be a point where we say like, this is wrong. This is just actually unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you keep cutting out? Oh, when I'm, I need to check that oh, audio. Let me check my Wi-Fi too. Oh, good. I'm connected. Yeah. Well, it's whatever, but I can still hear you clearly. It's just that whenever I speak or something, I can't hear you. When you when you're oh. saying yeah or something I don't know but anyway we'll figure that out <laughs> um so for the cult manufacturing um yeah the reason why I know that it was like what like a hundred people there but there, I think this is just as important because there's there's something that I saw that was mentioned about you know this is coming after a lot of constituents have been calling their uh representatives and their senator the senators let's talk about richard blumenthal for instance um let's talk about 
um rosa delora delora who wanted to fight to keep the columbus statue up prior before this um i will never forget that shit uh oh chris <laughs> murphy I forgive her for that <laughs> you know and and i know people who work for rosa delora and like i know they're good people so i have a hard time trying to understand why the fuck they work for rosa delora <laughs> I do. I know a lot of us ask these questions for a comrade. <laughs> like she's not progressive, bro. If y'all thought pro she's progressive. Oh man. Oh, oh man. Liberal man. shit. <laughs> but anyway, the cult manufacturing, um, which is very, very like sad to hear that your that a company in Connecticut. Progressive Connecticut, by the way, everybody. Everybody loves to call call us the state that has the best laws to protect LGBTQ people. I mean, even um, who said great, that? Like, um, a lot of a lot of people. A lot of people have said that. Um, I've had conversations and had people on and stuff like that. I mean, I would say that it's better than Florida, but it's still problematic. Um, but yeah, we have the, we have a uh, cult manufacturing that was that made a deal to send sixteen thousand weapons to settlers in Israel to terrorize Palestinians in the West Bank. Um, and so I knew about the 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 violence was brewing higher in the West Bank. By the way, people that are just learning that the West Bank the West Bank is violent right now. The West Bank has always been violent. And also, I have to criticize the PLO because they have also contributed to being complicit with the, vi the violence that um, the IDF has put on the Palestinian people in the West Bank. So this is really nothing new, but it's also very scary learning that your backyard manufacturers are sending weapons to settlers to kill people as this whole this whole bombing bombardment of gaza is happening i mean to, to up to date to this taping we are seeing estimates of eleven thousand people but the gaza health ministry um hasn't been able to account for the newly um departed because of uh, a lot of issues with you know what's going on over there um but the cult manufacturing um were you a part of that rally and what can you tell us that we need to move forward on understanding uh, that our own backyard is contributing to being complicit to genocide? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of weapons manufacturers and a lot of defense industry um, giants are here. You know, you have um, just a lot of, you have, I think, I think Raytheon has a plant here. Yes, they um, do. Raytheon, Sikorsky, um, Colt. Uh, what was the other one? Um, PW, what is it? Yeah, I know you're talking about, but I can't think of it. Many, so a lot of different uh, weapons manufacturers are in Connecticut. Um, I used to tutor kids when I was in school. And I one time I had a kid that I was tutoring and he was a native of Fairfield. Um, and he was like, I remember editing his essays and 
uh, he was like, oh, I can't go to this school. They're too liberal. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, I want to work for Lockheed Martin. <laughs> so I can't go there. And so and that's what really made me realize, like, this is a culture in Connecticut. Like, there is a whole culture of people. There's a lot of white people, but a lot of people trying to go into these defense jobs. Um, and the thing is, some of them are very high paying. They are, um, whether you're on the engineering side or whether you're just on the manufacturing side, right? Like production, um, the production line, uh, it's pretty high paying. However, you're making weapons, right? Like we're investing our jobs, our labor, right? Like our time, the majority of our time is going towards producing weapons. Um, and so there are a lot of people who are gonna give a shit about this from the perspective of, this is my time and I don't wanna spend it towards making weapons. Um, and those people should also really care about the fact that these weapons are gonna, are, these are all weapons of mass destruction. I don't understand why weapons of mass destruction are reserved for like Arab and Muslim countries. Um, this is the core of the production of weapons of mass destruction, right? Because they can just drop 400 of them, right? They can make tiny things and then drop 400 of them um, and not right. call it, I don't know how. So this, we produce all these things. And there's this really great, you know, quote by David Graeber that I'm going to paraphrase, but it basically says, you're either going to beg them to stop sending the guns or you're going to stop, you're going to try to stop them from sending the guns and wait for them to come and get you and dare them, sorry, dare them to come and get you. Right. To yeah. come and, and so I, I think a lot of the, the actions that we're seeing these days are coming out of um, this principle of we're not just going to beg our politicians to stop sending guns. We know they are in deep in the business of it. They have been making money for generations on these deals. You know, the only reason they are elected is because they take money from lobbying groups, right? That make sure they're the kind of people who, even though they're progressive, even though they're liberal, they'll never question or hurt their bottom line of making sure that the defense industry has a place to stay in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many, literally the place that I worked at and the, a climbing gym in New Haven, and I don't know how many other buildings used to be arms factories, you know? So there are so many, there's just such a long legacy of defended, defense industry and making arms in Connecticut. And some of it has gone away, but a lot of it is well and alive. And it's going to be Connecticut's economy for a while until we, the people, stop it. And there's a yeah. lot of I saw in, you know, the workers were pissed, but I think a lot of them were probably had to be a little bit shaken up, right? By the fact that people showed up, people showed up to block them, try to block them from going to work. And they had to park at the Home Depot and then walk all the way to Colt. And they hear us, you know, going by and offering them a donut, but they were still, you know, more hostile towards us than we were ever towards them. And, and it was like this whole, I think it's a whole reckoning um, that I think we just, that has, needs to multiply. And then I think in numbers, we can really confront, you know, kind of this culture of, of working in these industries um, and believing in these jobs when we could be investing in making things for each other that sustain us. Yeah. I mean, when you mentioned the legacy of Connecticut with being weapons manufacturer, um, you just made me remember I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is a part of Fairfield County. 
and in Bridgeport, Connecticut, on the east side, which is the neighborhood I grew up in and played around and stuff, a lot of our water that we have little small streams and rivers there, they're they're um they're poisoned with lead um yeah. because of the uh the 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 cart the cartridges, the the bullets, um whatever the f the fuck they did. <laughs> so Remington yeah. Arms was a very, very big uh industry in fact remington arms literally produced a very very good amount of the weapons that was used for world war ii um that's how that's how big they were back in those days um there was also riots um with unionizing and people getting their heads cracked in a lot of a lot a lot of um strong working class history there and um just like any other place but um yeah i mean as a kid i remember sneaking into those buildings and finding like shotgun shells, finding uh, ammunition around. I mean, clearly it's like can be used now because it's from like back in the day. I remember seeing the big, the like these big bowls where they put like this molten, molten um, lava type of stuff in to like create these weapons and all this stuff like that. They had large ones. Like we should have never even been up there. We would just go up and just see them and stuff like that. And they would tell stories. There were stories about how people fell in and 24 seven. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we definitely have an history of being uh, merchants of death here in Connecticut um, without realizing, you know, because, you know, you work another job that has nothing to do with it. You just see Sikorsky. You're just like, Oh yeah, that's Sikorsky. You, that's a good job. You you might want to get in there, but you don't realize that you're contributing to the, the fucking problem that we have been talking about to the beginning. It's <laughs> of course he's is in Stratford, another um weapons manufacturer that's in Fair, Fairfield County. Um yeah, I mean I, I, I feel bad for the workers about being blocked, but I think this is an important statement, and you're seeing it in other places as well, too, where people are literally blocking shifts. Uh, blocking shifts, blocking ships, um, as well too, um, which is really, really good. What do you said? <laughs> blocking ships and shifts, both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and I, I think that's really dope. I'm like, damn, like we're we're finding out where these weapons are, and we're disrupting their their ability to distribute these weapons up. Like that's epic we're going into our our senators and representatives offices we're giving them smoke which they need the smoke i mean are you shocked by how complicit majority i mean for instance when they censored rashida talib not one white democrat voted in her favor which is insane it was all people of color that was on her side <laughs> Insane. I, I wasn't even paying attention, but thank you for attention to that because that says a lot. Right. Right. And while Lizzie Graham is saying they all have to die, you got other representatives saying that they all have to die. Um, I mean, it reminds me of because I'm I'm reading a book right now on um the um I can't think of the tribe right now. Jesus, I'm so mad. I can't think of the tribe right now. Um, but for people to look up later, the tribal leaders I'm, I'm reading about is um, Looking Glass and Chief Joseph. Um, they 
they were a uh, part of the 1800s when the Midwest was starting to get colonized. Um, the rhetoric that the colonizers kept saying is that the only solution is for all the Indians to die. What are you hearing the Zionists say today? The only solution is for all the Arabs to die. This is the parallels of colonialism. And you're hearing this in Washington right now. They're literally saying the kids, all of them, they all have to die. Um, even the staffers had to come out and say, hey, no one's listening to you guys. So we're here to tell you that we receive all the calls and we know, but none of our bosses care. And we, we just want to make sure you all know that. <laughs> like, are, are you shocked by all of a sudden, like how, like they love Israel all of a sudden, like they want to support Israel all of a sudden. Like, no, this is an anti-Semitic country, by the way, people like, <laughs> yeah. I got that wrong. Um, <laughs> if you if you ask people, well, like, why did they send Jews to Palestine and not to the U.S.? They'll be like, oh, because there's it's horrible here. They wouldn't want to come here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm not shocked. They, I, somebody was like, did y'all know about APAC? And I'm like, I'm Iranian. Of course I know about APAC. Everybody should know about APAC at this point. Reason, that's like, you know, <laughs> this kind of lobbying is so powerful, right? It's the reason my country is sanctioned to hell. It's the reason, like, literally, my people are sanctioned to hell. It's the reason why um, all these Democrats get so much money. Um, and why they never speak out about Palestine. And honestly, it, it is in their favor to be hush-hush about their support for Israel until they have to, until those lobbyists push them. And they're like, no, I need you to pledge support in these XYZ public ways. Mm. Um, like, and obviously they always want to stand with Jewish people, but they're not going to stand for Israel until they have to stand for Israel. And I think right now we're seeing just how desperate the lobbyists are getting that they're saying, if you don't make a public statement, if you say ceasefire, we are pulling the money. Because honestly, at this point, Jamar, I don't understand why a lot of them are are not even able to say the word ceasefire. Right. Like you have Trudeau basically almost saying the word ceasefire because he can't believe he can't say the word ceasefire. <laughs> He's know? been having a very rough year. Yeah. <laughs> no. Trudeau has been having a, a, a rough life. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't, I mean, he's gross. But yeah. I think it speaks to how much, you know, they're they themselves are being censored, right? I'm sure half these guys actually want to cease fire so that they stop getting so much smoke, right? Right. But they can't, you know, and and that's the money talking, and I think that is that needs to. I think a lot of people are reckoning with just how much money is in Democrats' pockets. Um, towards war right not just israel but war right the bottom line of war and it's the defendant it's a, it's the defense industry it's a lot of different industries it's, it's a lot of different um interest groups right like apac isn't just isn't the defense industry right but it is very predominantly like in favor of doing anything by any means necessary for israel so right People need are are reckoning with that um, where a lot of where a lot of this you know deep centrist Democrat money is coming from, um, and why they themselves are tripping on their own words. 
Yeah. I mean, I've I've been argued with about Joe Biden and the DNC being in a war party when I've been telling people this. I'm like, bro, they are literally the neocons that you should be worried about. Like, we all know about the neocons on the red side, but you'd be surprised about yeah. the Hillary Clintons. And, and yeah. you shouldn't be at this point. You yeah. really should not be. I, this is why I get mad. <laughs> because yeah. she, literally, in just the way that she has treated Middle Eastern people, and for them to have the fucking nerve to try to say that they care about Middle Eastern people when 24 seven you killed a million people in Iraq in Iraq and Afghanistan. A million people. You killed them, murdered them. And then after you after you got away with it, you're like, I give a damn about Middle Eastern people. Wow. When we've known Am I seeing something different. <laughs> yeah, we've known. That's why I brought up like APAC. You don't have the luxury of not knowing. You don't get. You don't have the luxury of being from the Middle East and living in this country and not knowing that any of those white people that become president are happy to go to war with your country, are right. happy to out of you and call right. you terrorists while they're doing it and terrorists. And people be like, well, they wasn't in office when that went on, but they voted for it. Biden yeah. supported it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was down with Bush, and in fact, yeah. when he became vice president with Obama. They they let the Yemen genocide happen, so they could b- broker a deal with Saudi Arabia. They let yep. Yemenese people get genocide. Yes. So yes. So so don't don't tell me whoever's listening that the DNC has better ideas. <laughs> just just no. don't. No. In fact, I think it's like kind of dehumanizing and degrading to a lot of Muslim and Arab people that have these legacies of bombing. You know, they're like. Uh, don't tell me, don't shame me into not voting for Democrats, right? Because I know they're going to end up bombing one of us if it's not right. Iranian, one of our neighbors. And I can't stand to see this. I can't stand you to be like, no, but my family is going to be impacted by X, Y, Z if you don't vote for these people that are going to bomb your family. I'm like, make it make sense, y'all. Right. I still stand this whole like, we need to we need to pour our energy behind these people. I'm I. This listen, I can't. I know we can't afford to have Republicans running this country. It's it's hell on earth. But I also can't stand this whole vitriolic like blame game among a lot of people of color. Unfortunately, it's not even white people bullying us. You know, it's a lot of like other people of color who are like, I don't give a damn. You're gonna be bombed anyway. But like, I need you to vote for this person, and yeah. that dehumanizing and degrading like at least tell me it's bullshit at least tell me that your position is bullshit and you still want me to vote for it i will vote for it you know trust me my people have been voting right because we also for trump but we also know that we have to grit our teeth because we could get hillary you know get biden because we could get what (laughs) yeah and And you're seeing exactly this is biden And yeah, when it comes down to it, when Israel really wants them to, this is Biden. This is perfectly said. But it's okay because it's rainbow bombs. The gays get to be a part of imperialism. You know, we could we could show up and show, hey, we're colonizers too. (laughs) You know how many so proud of being a part of the IDF. They're like, oh, I love like you wouldn't get to be a soldier in Gaza if you were a woman. And I'm just like. It's freaking terrifying, dude. It's freaking terrifying. Like how much you can get people to fall in love with militarism 
being the fourth largest army in the world. Like your country is based on pinkwashing, greenwashing, all of this festival washing, right? Like all of this shit washing, right? And then you still have a draft. You still have the entire country and a whole half of the diaspora, or I don't know how much of the diaspora, invested in militarily supporting this country, the borders of your country. Right. And I'm just, wow, like the cost of maintenance is is unbelievable. Yeah. Just while while they, they, they claim to be victim, while they're bombing Lebanon, claiming Lebanon land, while they're bombing Syria, claiming Syrian land, it's just... It's like you guys, you Zionists, you're all crazy. That's <laughs> just that's that's all the way. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah. They want to claim identity politics. They want to be like, no, Zionism is an identity. It's not an ideology. You know what another person said the other day? They said Hamas is an ideology. <laughs> not Zionism. Zionism is an identity. Mm. And I'm just myself like this is this is what it's become like israel zionism has become an entire identity to people i know anti-zionist israelis i know people who are like lot, literally yeah. we are living we are and and i love those people i fucking organize with anti-zionist jews but i can't i can't understand the people that are like zionism is my identity like this is not an ideology i blows i don't thankfully i don't you know i'm not in community with a lot of those people but i do see that that is the mainstream right now i think a lot of people who are jewish and are seeing their jewish identity conflated with zionism are having to ask themselves like what is zionism like what is my relationship to israel right and a lot of even a lot of people like who are iranian ha are having to ask themselves what is my relationship to israel right, right. because Israel's existence also justifies the demonizing of of my government, right? And whatever I have to say about my government, it has like really catastrophic results, you know? And so we have to question also what is our relationship to Zionism when that is used as a lot of Zionists first that like first on their list is not even destroy Hamas, it's destroy Iran. Destroy Iran, destroy the Islamic Republic of Iran, because without it, we wouldn't have Hamas, right? And yeah. so people, a lot of people are having to, everybody, every country that gets a lot of military support from Israel is having a question. What is my relationship to Zionism? What is my relationship to Israel? Right. Um, that's moving the needle a lot. Right. Oh, man, I just checked what time it is. <laughs> I'm supposed to be somewhere. So we need to get you back on okay and sure. everybody else <laughs> that because this is sure. a really good I, 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 we could go on and on and i want to but i can't right now unfortunately <laughs> but this was really really great and um Thank i want to ask you one last question um mm -hmm. how can people get involved that listen to this what can they do? Do you know any organization? We know Jewish Voices for Peace, but yes. any other organizations that you could name out that people can um, uh, get in touch with or just, you know, keep tabs with, follow, support? Yes. 
Um, so it de really depends on what level of involvement you're looking for. Like if you're just looking for where the protests are, I think we protect us Connecticut CT. That's the tag on Instagram. I'm not sure if they're on Facebook. Um, they're posting a lot, almost all of the actions um, that are happening in Connecticut related to Palestine. Um, but then if you're trying to get involved in the organizing, like you want to be at the coalition meetings, um, which by the way, the coalition, I have to say this formally, the coalition is not organizing all of these events, right? It's just a, a meeting place for a lot of different groups. Um, so if you're looking, I love to say like, come to the coalition meeting if you want to see the who's who. Um, in this organizing, if you want to meet the faces and get to know people and build connections, um, even if you don't want to be committed to coming to the coalition all the time, you could just come and meet people and also see how this work is done, right? And a lot of like self organizing has come out of these coalition meetings. So I really love that. Um, I also just think that people should feel empowered to kind of like learn from one seasoned organizer, but then just start organizing in small groups. And it's incredible what a group of like five to six, seven yeah. to people can do, even in just showing up to other protests, right? So like if one of you are linked to another group, then having that 10 people to come with you um, just multiplies us, right? So right. that, and then, you know, feel free to get in touch with me. I mean, I don't know if you want to put any like my socials people can hit me up um if they want to okay. get involved in another way that i didn't really list um okay. but yeah or come to the protest and ask somebody next to you who looks like a semi-organizer who like might be involved in organizing the thing and say how can i get involved that's my favorite way of getting involved um but all these other things are super welcome awesome yeah definitely um, and I'll definitely add your, your, your IG, um, but, um, definitely people just join the organization that supports Palestine and stand in solidarity with Palestine because mm -hmm. we, just like the Congo, just like Sudan, we need to make sure that we stand in solidarity with all oppressed people of the world. Cause if you don't, they will come for you next. That's literally how I see it. <laughs> Especially being black. We know apartheid here. Mm -hmm. so it looks very very similar to what's going on in israel yeah <laughs> when i look I at what my black ancestors went through <laughs> the solidarity from black folks moment will never be forgotten jamar i will I've, for, for me i will never forget the yeah, yeah. They, they're up, it's unmatched i i can it's it's hard to say that because there are like millions of people pouring out into like iraq and everywhere else but it is i can still say that at least in the u.s it is unmatched yeah. And we then that's why you see a lot of people of color out there in the streets, people. So that's let's join them. <laughs> well, I'll talk to you later, Nika. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a wrap for season five, episode two. And everyone there, it would no matter where you are, have a good day, good night, or good morning. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holler if you really feeling this. Gotta holler if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. Ooh. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. 
different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling?